When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're just a handful of days away from the 2022 NFL Combine, and I'm sure you're like me and ready to get into the next phase of the Chicago Bears offseason. I'm Russell DeWitt. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. I'm sitting alongside my co-host, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And guys, I just want to know, how are you doing this week? Nick, I'm sure you are just elated uh, to get down here in Indianapolis in just a few days. Yeah, so I'm just starting to get, like, things ready, just stuff I have to buy to, you know, just be there for the entire week, which will be uh, a little new because I think, I don't know if I've ever stayed the entire week in in Indy, so it's going to be a fun time, but we'll get to hang out, watch some prospects, talk to them, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, 100%, and Mason, I know you're joining us later in the week, and this will be your first time getting to kind of go to the Combine, I think ever, I don't think you've ever been as a fan, uh, nor media, if I remember correctly how are you uh looking forward to this any uh final thoughts before you kind of get there i mean i'm really excited uh i'm just hoping the whole thing doesn't you know wash over me and overwhelm me too much the most i've done as you've said was sit at home you know watch and the broadcast there uh lucky enough i don't know if that's even the way to look at it it's four years ago when i tore my acl it was right before the combine happened I got the surgery done, so I got to basically just watch the entire combine that year, like just sitting on my couch, which is pretty great. But I'll probably uh, need to hit up Nick for some what should I bring because I don't want to like be forgetting anything at home, extra pair of underwear, all that stuff. Nick, any any must-have items? I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, if you as long as you bring that extra, extra pair of underwear there, Mason, I think you're already in a, in a good spot as you kind of head down to Indy, but nothing too major. Um yeah, I never, like, recall, like, after the trip, like, man, I wish I would have brought this. So I think you're already in the right spot. Laptop charger, phone charger. 
uh, all your porous notes, Mason, that I'm sure you're compiling in all these prospects and, you know, a shorthand list of questions would be, and just a few things uh, that I would suggest taking down. Uh, but guys, uh, as I was preparing for today's episode, I was just thinking about this. Uh, this is actually like our final show in this exact format uh, before our transition. Uh, it's going to take place at the end uh, of next week. So it's been over 630 episodes uh, just like this. I know we've had some uh, different ones along the way, but it's just kind of, I don't know, bittersweet uh, to kind of be closing you know this chapter here today. Uh, but Nick, you and I had a great meeting uh, with the new powers that be here uh, previously on Monday downtown Chicago. And uh, I know we're super excited to kind of take our show to new heights uh, there's a lot of belief behind us uh, and what, how we're going to be able to kind of take this thing to the next level. And I'm just, you know, super excited for what's to come. New branding, new name, but the same us, you know, uh, and more of us, too, and some others that we're excited to kind of partner uh, and work with. But how do you feel uh, with this kind of being the last one of us? Like here, I know we'll do some other remote ones, too, uh, but it's the last time doing like a Chicago Audible episode uh, in this format. Oh, well, like you before we went live, you were kind of telling me that because I knew we were going to go do shows in Indy and cover the days there. But being that this is going to be the last one, we we're like sitting at, you know, a desk and like how, how it's always been. Right. It, it is a little surreal, but like you, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next chapter. But you, you mentioned something that I think is very important. It's like you said, it's new branding, new people, but same us. And that's really important. As, as we kind of transition here and are able to just expand our Bears coverage to entirely new heights. So that's what I want people to really, who are going to listen to this today, tomorrow, just know that it's still going to be us and we're just going to make this product even better. But I'm really excited, Will. I just really can't wait to get started. And next At the end of next week is when things will really start to get going. So by new heights, is Arlington included? I hope so, because I, we were talking about, like, is fair weather. Like, put me in a dome. I'm so ready to be in a dome and have a new high-tech stadium. Uh, but, yeah, that could be in the in the works, too. They have. They, the Bears mentioned, at least to us, like, hey, if we ever build that, we can probably get some podcasting space for you guys at the stadium. Uh, so that's also uh, a good b- benefit and bonus. Mason, anything you wanted to add about this kind of being the last hurrah of Chicago Audible, uh, and, again, in this fashion? I mean, the only thing I guess I would add, yeah, considering that my time with Chicago Audible is a little shorter, um, it was a really fun ride doing it in that fashion. Um, you know, and like you said, I mean, it's not like anything substantially is going to change for the negative. You know, I, you know, I know some people were talking about that. Like, no, it's more opportunity. It's uh, more ability to reach out and do more things. And I'm just happy that at you know at this point in time, I was able to get my swag when I could because you know <laughs> it's going away. So I'm glad it's going to be kind of like the Seattle Supersonics, where you know just retro look. Yeah, it is. I and mean, we already have a retro look in our back pocket, so we can add another. Double in. retro. Double That's right. retro. Double retro. Love it. And I love the hat there, man. Uh, so I don't want to, you know, harp on it too much, reminisce. I mean, again, we're not going anywhere. It's, I know Chicago Audible is my baby, but I'm also looking at our next opportunity uh, as my full-time baby, uh, which is 
you know, equally as exciting, at least from my perspective. Uh, so I want to let our listeners know what to expect in today's episode. You know, last week uh, we shared some of our favorite prospects that we look forward to watching and speaking to at the Combine next week. Uh, so in today's episode, we want to kind of take a step back and look at the Chicago Bears, what I would call from a macro perspective, and identify the biggest needs this offseason. We all know there are plenty of holes for Ryan Poles to fill, but which ones are the largest? And after that, uh, I think we'll do another quick chat about the upcoming combine for a bit a fun topic that nick had the idea of uh, earlier this week and really that's about it uh for this episode we're keeping it kind of open and general just kind of outlining where we think the bears need to be putting their focus in uh this off season but nick and mason before we get to any of that main stuff is there any news that came from the bears side this week that's worth mentioning i i didn't see anything come across but i at least wanted to open the floor to that opportunity so there was one thing that they actually did that's, that was today at around 11.50. The Bears hired Matt uh, Feinstein as their director of football administration. Um, let's see, just a quick little synopsis of what uh, Matt has done. He was a pr- he was promoted in January to be the NFL director of labor operations and previously served as a manager and senior manager for the league's management council. So he replaces Joey Lane, who served as the Bears' lead negotiator for seven years alongside former general manager Ryan Pace. Feinstein was hired by Ryan Poles, who was named Chicago's new general manager in January. So that was the only new news, I I, I guess I would say. You didn't want to talk about that new linebacker we signed? That, That was also there, and I can't think of his name offhand, so that's why I didn't mention him. But the Bears did sign a linebacker that I name is escaping me at, at, at this moment in time. Mason, how about you? Anything in your end? Bears are uh, pretty quiet. I guess the only other question I'd have for you guys are either of you going to try the Panchakarma cleanse that Aaron Rodgers did? Because maybe that's what makes you an MVP. I don't know if we need to be getting on that or not. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm ready to partake into that cleanse. You know, Give me some time. And I'll, maybe I'll reconsider, but maybe you're onto something there. Maybe that's Aaron's secret stuff. All right, all right, all right. I mean, to be fair, I don't really want to be exploding from either end of my own volition. But that's just me. I mean, if it's going to help with, like, the comp, if we were to, like, do combine drills, like, hey, I'm ready to take the advantage any way that I can. But uh, real quickly, the linebacker, Noah Dawkins uh, from the Jets. So there's a linebacker that escaped. Uh, his name escaped me, Noah Dawkins. And, yeah, that is that is some cleanse. To be complete, like just seeing and reading about it, and you know, Aaron Rodgers is a weird dude. <laughs> like he's a strange guy, but hey, what well, works for him, I guess. But um, yeah, it's uh, an interesting cleanse for sure. Okay, I'm changing the topic. Like we're moving on, and we're gonna get <laughs> into uh, what I thought this show would be all about, and looking at the Bears' uh, needs here entering the off season. I want to begin uh, with the Bears' offense. You know, when I look at the roster, uh, I, I see a need for improvement across the board uh, the identity you know of this Bears offense is undergoing a fundamental shift now with Luke Getze taking the reins and I'm sure we can all agree uh, to some point that the biggest needs uh, include offensive line and wide receiver as we're all looking to build around the now second year quarterback Justin Fields so for today's discussion I have a few questions for all of us to kind of consider uh, and debate and with that I just want to kind of get your thoughts on wide receiver and offensive line. I'm going to keep it very open. Like I said, 
which is the biggest need heading into the offseason? I know that Allen Robinson's probably you know, on his way out. Darnell Mooney displayed tremendous growth, but is he really a uh, wide receiver one? I, I don't know if he can step into that full-time role. And up front, the Bears may or may not re-sign James Daniels. And last week, Nick, you mentioned Cody Whitehair may end up being someone who gets cut to save some money against the cap. So both units are going to get a lot of attention, but which one deserves the most and why? And Nick, I'll let you kick things off. Here's how I'll kind of frame this. When I look at both the offensive line collectively, the interior, and obviously the tackles, and the wide receivers, I look at who the Bears have even going into 2022, right? And as of right now, for the wide receivers, it's Darnell Mooney and Daz Newsom. That's all you technically have at this point in time going into this next season. So with that glaring need, with just not having the bodies there, you know, does that put an emphasis for the Bears to maybe cater to that position? But I think what Ryan Poles has said in, you know, his introductory press conference, I think they're going to put that that need to the offensive line because the only guys you have under contract, you have Cody Whitehair, Sam Musfer, Alex Bars for the interior. And then at tackle, you have Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, and Lachavis Simmons. So do you feel comfortable with that line for Justin Fields is the question. And just based off of the play last year, I, I don't think you can be very confident in that. So for me, and if I were to, if I'm Ryan Poles, I think I'm putting my emphasis, the biggest need at the the offensive line as a whole, despite the wide receivers not even having enough people, you know, to you can't even go to three three wide right now. <laughs> You've got two guys under contract. So I'm still gonna put it still to the offensive line at this point. So Sam Mustafer, isn't he like a ERFA heading into this offseason? I don't think he's under contract for is next right? year, is he? Like that would um, that makes a big hole as well, like up front center. Obviously I mentioned last week I would move on uh, from a Sam Mustafer at center. Um, but regardless, that it would be another body to kind of fill. And of course, if you're watching either live or on the replay, you know, enter our chat. Let us know which position you believe is the biggest need and why. And if you're watching replay, make sure to put that comment as well. We all do see those come in uh, after the fact. Mason, Nick went wide receiver. Uh, over to you. I mean, sorry, Nick went offensive line. Over to you. Are you in agreement or not? I mean, to be quite honest, I, I agree. Uh, when you look at where where, you th- where I think the Bears should go and where I think they're going to go, they blend together in terms of the offensive line. We know Ryan Poles does put a lot of emphasis on the O-line. Um, when you look at some of the pressures that Justin Fields underwent, you he was simply for some of them, but he was only really responsible for about 13% of his pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. But when you look at where a lot of those other pressures came from, one of the highest was actually right from center. And so Sam Buster ranked at 32nd in the league, which is not very good. You look at some of the other positions, left guard goes 25th in the league, left tackle 24th, uh, right tackle 20th. So none of those numbers really make you feel very good about that. And when you saw how Justin played, and this is true for most quarterbacks, let's, let's be real, the more pressure there is, yeah, if you're, having to, if you're having to throw off your timing, you're having to you know, throw off base, you have to make some funkier throws. And we also saw that Justin was most accurate and had the best plays downfield. If you don't have time, you can't throw downfield. It's as simple as that. Um, and this, you know, this may not be necessarily true, but I feel like it would be also a little easier to grab some wide receivers, not just this year, but moving forward. You really want continuity on that offensive line. They can blend together, play together. 
one of the better lines we've seen over the last decade or so was like the Dallas Cowboys. And they built that offensive line through the draft. Injuries didn't help them a ton. But when they were together, they were great. And that was because they had a lot of the same linemen there consistently. You don't have that in Chicago, certainly not this year, in the last in the previous one. And you just need just more talents. There's just there's isn't there right now. Not enough athleticism and too many mental errors, right? We talk about this all the time. How many times there were you know, legal man downfield. I mean, you just can't have those things. So O-line really has to be where it starts. That's number, number one for me. And a close number two is going to be wide receiver just because you are losing Al Robinson. You don't have a ton of talent there. Is The argument before was is Darnell Moody a one. I think it's slowly also shifting. Is he a true, true number two? Is he a 2B? He, needs, he has a lot to prove there. So got to bring in some competition and try to get Justin some legitimate weapons. 100%. So I guess I'm the tiebreaker, uh, which is awesome. Uh, I love being in this position. Uh, and I'm going with offensive line as my number one need. Uh, and it reminds me a lot of the meme uh, I saw floating around last offseason for the Bengals, actually, when there's like a burrow and then an offensive line and then anybody could be the receiver. But then if you flip it and you invest in the receiver, like Jamar Chase, I think it was one at the time, and you don't invest in the offensive line, and like, he can't throw anywhere because he's going to be sacked. Now, obviously, that proved to be a little wrong, uh, but the offensive line did lose him the Super Bowl, as we talked about last week, too. Um, but I do think if you don't protect Justin Fields, you're not going to allow him to develop like we want him to. He doesn't. Uh, he would love to have you know top-tiered talent at the wide receiver position, but I'm sure he would also equally love uh, the Bears to invest heavily uh, on making sure he doesn't get contacted as much as he did last year. And I know there's a lot of pressures. Uh, as you mentioned, Mason, that was his fault. He'll need to kind of work on that himself as well, and the new scheme and system should help kind of limit those uh, as well. Um, but still, you want to make sure that he's being protected first and foremost. I think if you're building a team around him, an offense around him, making sure he can stay healthy uh, should be priority number one. Uh, as I mentioned, Sam Mustafer, you know, exclusive rights, free agent. Uh, James Daniels also up for a contract. Does he warrant the big deal? We debated that a week ago. Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, still a work in progress. I know they show promise, but still some question marks out there in the bookends. You're not going to have a Jason Peters again. And then Cody Whitehair, you know, he had that really bad year. Does he get cut to save money? Does he move back to center? I know I'm tired of the musical chairs up front. So there's a real chance that we're looking for four starting offensive linemen. And I would say the only guaranteed starter right now is Tevin Jenkins, who barely played last year because of his back injury. And that's still a projection. So maybe it is five guys up front. And we lost a lot of the depth. And I'll talk about them uh, in a bit as well. So I know there isn't a lot of receivers on the roster, Nick, but also the same can be said for the offensive line, what they're kind of, you know, looking out there for. So I think the biggest need uh, for the Bears in offense is that line up front. And speaking of them, I want to do a confidence meter, actually, uh, with this unit. Uh, offensive tackle versus interior offensive line. Which are you most confident in and why? And that's a hell of a question. I know. Mason, how about you? Oh man, um, I guess I that sucks. That's really hard. Uh-huh. Um, I would have to. I'll say interior. Just I'm not happy about it. Um, and I'm also trying to kind of ignore Sam Mustafer. I'm looking more at the guards for there than the center, just because at least they've been there a little bit more and they've shown that there's. I mean, Cody Whitehair for a while was talk of the town. I mean, he was good for a couple a year a couple of years there it wasn't like he was terrible this whole time and daniels has had some moments i mean he really has it's just it hasn't been consistent whereas when you go to the tackles and we're talking about two 
players that were just rookies, both of whom had injury issues last year, so didn't get a lot, you know, too much run there. So you got to hold a little bit of your judgment until you see them really at a full through full training camp and all that stuff. But I don't know that I can put a lot of confidence in two rookies that were injured and didn't get to play. And one of them, Tevin Jenkins, was moved to left tackle, even though he played more snaps at right tackle. And there were questions about Borum should he be a guard, but then they had him at tackle. That, that's a lot of question marks. So I'll, I'll say interior. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, with a hefty question mark. <laughs> Nick, how about you, man? Well, I have to say the interior as well, but th- it's because of, of, again, those question marks. But we just don't even know, like, right now, the tackles that are scheduled to actually be in the Bears in 2022, are they actually going to play tackle for the Bears this next upcoming season? When, when I got a chance to talk to Ryan Poles and, like, the – the, the smaller meetings I asked about Tevin Jenkins. I said this earlier when Mason and I did the podcast, but here's the quote. He said, one thing I believe in with offensive linemen is you want to get the best five out there. And I asked him about Tevin Jenkins as a left tackle. I do believe he can play the tackle position. He said, we're going to continue to work with him and put him at guard or put him in different positions, move him around. And really I should defer to Matt Eberflus and the coaching staff to have those conversations to find the best five. So, I have to go interior just because I really don't know. And we don't even know who's actually going to play the interior at this point. But there's just like going back to what Mason was just saying, the fat question mark. There's just too many of them at the two tackle spots. And because they're young players, too, you know that I think Ryan Poles is going to want to put an emphasis on really getting that right, especially when you have Justin Fields there and seeing the season that he had last year and how many leading the league in sacks and seeing how many times he got hit. That just seems like a priority of what I think Ryan Poles, this, this Bears organization, wants to do. And that could mean Tevin Jenkins does move inside and you go get somebody else to play left tackle or he goes back to his original spot that he played at Oklahoma State at right tackle. Who knows? There's just so many fat question marks that are, that are kind of revolving around this entire line. See, so many needs. And that's why we're having this episode right now. And uh, the other position we just talked about was wide receiver. I I think we all believe Allen Robinson uh, is no longer going to be a Chicago Bear. And there's a lot of Bears receivers last year that were on one-year deals. And I'm curious if you think the Bears should maybe consider bringing any of them back. And I know that's not a sexy kind of topic because they all struggled. But maybe Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, you know, Coach Getze, they look at him as maybe like other potential Cordero Pattersons, right? Who leave the Bears, leave Matt Nagy's system, and go out and flourish uh, in a new environment. So maybe you can bring him back on a team-friendly deal. You have like Jakeem Grant, uh, Marquise Goodwin, and Demir Bird. And I think all Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird, at least that duo, led all of us down last year compared to what we thought they can you know, do uh, a year ago when we were doing our countdown to camp and giving some of our season projections, uh, they didn't even get close uh, to where we thought they would be. Would you bring any of them back? And if so, why? And Nick, I'll let you kick that off. So I would try to bring back Jakeem Grant. And, you know, obviously he adds that special teams value, but they started to sprinkle him in a little bit on the offense. So that's kind of like your gadget guy. And I wonder how that kind of impacts a guy like Tariq Cohen, if you're considering doing that, I think you make that move with that next step in mind. But out of like those pure wide receivers, I don't know about you, Will, but I know you were you were higher on Demir Bird initially in the season. But I would like to see him maybe potentially get another opportunity. I think that you know just how the offense was run last season. Obviously, 
if a guy like Allen Robinson can't succeed in it, like a guy like Demir Bird isn't either. But there just wasn't a lot of productivity outside of Darnell Mooney. But, you know, if, if Demir Bird wanted to come back in another one-year deal and be, again, a depth piece for right now, a roster that has only two guys signed, one of them being a Daz Newsome who didn't really even play, you're, you're going to need bodies. You're going to, yep. you can't go out and just sign everybody in free agency. And I think that if you're looking at, you know, potentially who you can bring back, I would consider it to be bird. And what Mason brought up last week about some of the top receivers in this free agency class that are going to warrant the most money. They all have some tremendous uh, red flags to consider. So at least this is a safer, you know, low risk, I'm going to say moderate reward. I don't want to say Demir Bird will give us a high reward, but he did good things a couple years ago uh, in New England uh, as well. And I thought he would come to Chicago translate well. It wasn't the fact, but maybe it was, you know, a product of, uh, again, the putrid system uh, that was in place uh, under Coach Nagy. Uh, Mason, how about you? Do you have one over the other or anyone uh, that you would bring back? It's okay to say no. I would absolutely bring back Jakeem Grant. I think, you know, you talk all the time, like, is this person just an athlete? Or are they a football player? Like, he's a football player. And we saw that in, like, the Green Bay game. And we finally did get incorporated into the offense more that he can make an impact. Yes, it can be gadgety at times. But, I mean, that's you see that across the NFL. There's three or four plays for a lot of the good offenses where they have something that is a little on the funkier side. And, you know, he still can line up just as a receiver and run a route. And plus you have the return capabilities. Now, the thing that's interesting, I think, about Bird and, and Goodwin is, like, if you were Ryan Poles, you know, sitting in at Hallis Hall, and if you could, like, blur out, like, the logo on the head, and you just looked at the stats and how they played, those are kind of the players you would go after at this stage, right? I mean, someone that like, maybe underperformed a little bit that you could blame on some quarterback play. <laughs> they could play on, blame on play calling. Be like, there's potential there. We saw some flash plays that if we put them in the right system that they could work. And unfortunately, it just it happened to fizzle and you're the previous system that was already here. So I wouldn't be surprised if either of those players did well with a new system, better play calling and a developed quarterback, hopefully over you know a year older. If I was picking between the two, I'd probably go with Demir Bird. I just think, you know, a little younger and I, that one splash play he had right in the back of the end zone, that still stands out to me a little bit more than Marquise Goodwin. I think Goodwin had more opportunities and did a little less with them when he had it. Bird, there were times where we're like, where, why the heck isn't he on the field? Um, but yeah, like there's, we keep saying it, there's so many holes to fill here. Two wide receivers under contract. Why? You're going to bring at least, what, four more in? So why have all four be new that Justin has to get chemistry with? Why not at least have one more that is like that Justin knows and can help bolster the confidence and, you know, hopefully reduce the number of hitches that are run. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been harping on those for years. Uh, so I'm glad uh, you had to remind me uh, of the dreaded hitch. You lose some light there, Mason. Yeah. Uh, apparently my light turned off. That's fun, but I'm amazed. It's still so bright. Hey, nice camera. It does wonders over there. Ooh. All right. So, <laughs> Last year at wide receiver, though, in the offseason, there was one resounding theme when it came to the players that they kept adding at the position. And we talked about it in depth, right? That speed. Everywhere you look, the Bears kept adding speed at the wide receiver group. This year, what should that theme be? Or what do you look at in terms of like some attributes or some qualities that receivers should possess? Uh, I have two. 
uh, that I'll start off with and I'll hand it over to you, Nick. Uh, number one, if we're losing Allen Robinson, uh, we need to find someone with a bigger body like Allen Robinson. You know, Mooney would be the biggest Bears wide receiver right now uh, at 5'11", 173. Obviously, and I know Demir Bird, if we bring him back, like you guys said, even a little bit smaller than that, you need someone, you know, 6'2 plus uh, to go up there and win those contested catches, those 50-50 balls. And he doesn't need to have blazing speed, but at least enough to go down there and win uh, some of the deeper routes. Uh, and in addition, I'm looking for a red zone threat. Uh, the Bears' leading receiver in the red zone last year was Mooney, who only had 10 targets down there inside the 20, which was tied for 47th in the league at the wide opposition. Uh, if you go back a season before that, Allen Robinson was a top five uh, red zone wide receiver in the league too. So scheme will help. Uh, I know that with Mooney, I expect him to be involved inside the 20. You don't have to be huge uh, to do well. Looking at like Stefan Diggs, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, some of the best red zone receivers a year ago. You don't need to be you know, six foot five to go up and get it. You can be smaller, shiftier, craftier. Uh, but we also just need other guys in this roster uh, who can be true red zone threats. You're not going to have Jimmy Graham. I would expect uh, to be your go out there for two plays, throw it to him twice, see what happens. Uh, I'm unsure outside of Graham if we have one in Cole Komet yet at the tight end position uh, so I would want the Bears to focus who can we bring in whether it's free agency whether it's a draft that Justin can kind of lean on once we get inside the 20 uh, because we need a guy like that I don't think that person's on the roster as of today Nick how about you any other attributes or qualities I'll say availability would be nice Fair. that you can get out of some of these wide receivers durability maybe is, is a better attribute I should go with someone that can actually be on the field you can rely on to be there but just kind of looking at the Chiefs wide receivers, obviously with Ryan Poles coming from that organization, I mean, they do value speed over there too, Will. When you have Tyree Kill, you have McCole Hardman who ran a 4-3-3 in the 40. Byron Pringle's a little bit of their bigger guy, 6-1, but he still ran a 4-4. So you do have that speed element when you have Travis Kelsey. There's your red zone threat that you were kind of talking about there, Will. But if, as long as I think how – Ryan Poles and this organization will kind of look into free agency if they want to address the wide receiver position. It's going to probably be in that second, third wave, but I think you're going to be looking at the durability of some of these guys. And, and, you know, maybe that takes away like a Michael Gallup, a Chris got like, there's a lot of guys that just, you know, they, they, they're coming off an injury. How does that kind of impact their thinking there? But they do value speed, like you were saying, Will, and that's kind of what the last regime also valued. So it wouldn't be crazy if the bears were to try to still focus on that trait, but I think durability needs to be something that you need to consider as you're looking at some of these free agents or, you know, even as some of the draft picks that they might get, like what was their injury history in college? Because, and it can all change right on any given play, but I think those could be things that this regime kind of looks towards because you need to have some stability with Justin Fields. So you have guys in and out of the lineup every, every other week. It's like, now you're, you're going back to the drawing board, having to build up that chemistry, that consistency, the timing of things. But durability and, you know, just, again, that, I think that's going to be maybe an emphasis for, for how they can really approach this entire free agency class. I like that approach. Mason, I actually want to give you a slightly different topic. And by slightly, uh, I mean entirely uh, different topic oh, okay. here, right? <laughs> uh, I actually want to bounce back to receiver. I know we're going a little back and forth, but I just want to kind of keep this conversation rolling. Uh, forward receiver, I did a little bit, you know, who would you rather resign? I kind of do the same here for the offensive line now. And 
there aren't many guys that were starters that are, you know, you were going to bring back. But I think the three that I see up for contract that I would like to at least entertain uh, and get your thoughts on Mason would be, you know, Sam Mustafer versus Jermaine Effetti or Elijah Wilkinson. Do any of them warrant a look to return? Do they fit the polls model? I'm just curious to see, kind of like what Nick said, like maybe you just need to bring in bodies for camp. Do any of them fit? Uh, I think when Ryan Poles watches Sam Mustafer tape, he does so with a vomit bag nearby. Um, <laughs> I don't think he is, he will be nowhere near the roster. I, I can't imagine that. Uh, Jermaine Defetti, he showed again flashes where it was like, oh, we and we're kind of talking yourself into this can work, and but consistently there were, there were problems. Uh, one of the big things that had popped up when uh, Poles did his press conferences was talking about, you know, how he wants a lineman who are going to defend his quarterback and rush over and pick him up, and who was the lineman that chastised you know jenkins for helping out justin that one play i mean it was a fetty i don't know how heavily that'll weigh in but it's a mentality thing so of those three i think elijah wilkinson would be the one i would look at because he's got some versatility there i would imagine he'd be pretty affordable his biggest thing from what i recall was you know there's some COVID stuff an injury here or there so it wasn't necessarily like how he played he got bullied sometimes for sure i mean it wasn't great but I wouldn't be signing him to be a starter. He's just a depth piece that I'm, I'm hoping just can contribute. But in all reality, I mean, I wouldn't bring any of those three back. I mean, <laughs> That's all I, I, think, I, I think you can get at least someone of the same skill level for less money, if not an upgrade. So why bother? I know a few people in the chat are mentioning James Daniels, and I understand you know, if the Bears think he's worth the money, I, I get it. But if I would have put him in that group, he would have been the easy answer. So I wanted to look a little bit deeper uh, down the depth chart right there for Mason. Uh, Nick, I want to go over to you for tight end. Uh, it's another need. We haven't really discussed it uh, yet, um, but it's not the biggest need per se, but I do think you know the Bears will be looking uh, to address this position uh, as well. I think the only Bears under contract next year are Cole Komet and my guy, you know, Jesper Horstead, which you know he can just put the team on his back and he'll be fine. But in all seriousness, uh, maybe the Bears look to bring back a familiar face, uh, J.P. Holtz or Jesse James. Who would you rather see back? Ooh, um, that's a good question. Uh, I guess it depends how, I, what this offense is going to look like, right? And, and because these guys are different players, so I think for me, I think I saw enough from Jesse James to again provide that depth on this on this tight end roster, which you said only has two guys coming back that are under contract, but. It, this is actually a pretty good draft in terms of the middle rounds for the tight end position. And the Bears have five picks, you guys. It's like, are you going to use one of those picks to go get a tight end that's not going to be your, your starter because they have Cole Komet? I don't know. But the Bears do do just need to add to that position and just to have somebody just in case, you know, Cole Komet were to go down or something were to happen because then you have, you're going to put a lot on your guy there. Well, with with Jesper Horse, I know he could put the team on his back, but it's different when he got to be, you know, a consistent starter if something were to happen. But um, I would say Jesse James would be a guy that this regime kind of looks at what his makeup is, what his role would be and how much it, that would cost. It, it would make sense to kind of bring somebody like that back who can also contribute on special teams. For sure. And if they talk to Justin, you know, and get his input and he's like, you know, last training camp. Last preseason, I had some real chemistry with Jesse James, and then Matt Nagy took him away from me uh, when I got out there come the regular season. 
maybe that's a, another reason to bring him back if he does feel like they do have you know a little bit of a connection there. Uh, I wouldn't be shy, you know, if that's what my quarterback told me to go ahead and get it done. Uh, it would be a very team-friendly deal, and if the Bears carry as many tight ends they have in the past, not saying they will because under a different coaching staff. You, I wouldn't mind whatsoever. I think Jesse James caught like 87% of his targets last year. That was a good number. It was only a small number of targets, but he caught the vast majority. Uh, so, uh, Mason, any other thoughts here and offense in general? Uh, because we'll move over to defense here in just a moment. The only other thing I throw in for tight end specifically is we, we, I talked a little bit on the last, our last podcast about how the wide receiver position might be hard to build because top, a lot of top flight guys are either going to be expensive or, uh, or might be hurt. I don't love some of the middle guy. I don't love Christian Kirk. I mean, he's, he'll be fine. I don't, I think, but I don't think he's like a savior at wide receiver um, is if there's an opportunity to take a, or like get a tight end in free agency, that is a wide receiver esque. That might be, that would be interesting. Cause that, that's still a weapon. I don't need someone to have to play the wide receiver positions to do so. So someone for me, like a David Njoku stands out who I don't think he's going to get a ton of money on the open market. And he's definitely been like a decent threat. And I think underused, uh, in that Browns offense by Baker because they just had a ton, or even like an Evan Ingram. I mean, he was a big name coming out originally, kind of fizzled. But again, that's also the Giants, and Daniel Jones wasn't great. So if it's the right price, I would could see using some money on that tight end position just to be that pseudo wide receiver look there. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, that's some good thoughts there too. And, you know, the Bears' new wide receiver coach, you know, Tyke came from the Giants. And if he has – know good things about Evan and like hey we can use him in this offense I know he coached wide receivers Ingram played tight end but obviously there's a little bit there that Tyke saw you would hope uh, throughout their shared time uh, over there uh, with New York but all right Nick uh, let's go ahead and share our message from Owen before we get over to the Bears defense and talk about some needs on that side of the ball and for people who listen to the Chicago Audible podcast, you know that we have partnered with Owen. So you can get up to 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code TCA20. Bunch of great products on there, all the different protein shakes. They even have this new pancake mix. If you're into that and would like to, you, you could do a bunch of stuff with that. It doesn't have to just be pancake. If you're a waffle person, go right ahead, do it. But definitely check out their page and just see all the great products that they have. But this is also going to be the last opportunity this well for this month to get in on the awesome contest that Owen has going on right now. And they're giving you the opportunity to win an autographed Justin Fields jersey and cleats. One grand prize winner will win all of that. Two second grand prize winners will get a signed official football and four third prize winners will get an autographed jersey. And how you can get in on this contest that ends at the end of February is all you got to do is go to liveowen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. And one more time, liveowen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. You type in your first name and your email, and that's it. You're entered in to win. You share that with your, your family, your friends, your girlfriend, wife, whoever. But enter in because once it turns to March 1st, that contest is now over with, and you missed out on the opportunity to win all those great prizes. So, one last time, liveowen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. And make sure while you're on the Owen website, use that code TCA20 to get some of those amazing products. But good luck to everybody. The contest, I'm looking forward to whoever wins because, again, awesome prizes. But you have until March 1st to enter in. Time is of the essence. 
it is and because we're moving right so we're we're transitioning the the contest is ending so at, you can listen to this podcast right now actually just go on liveowen.com and you're multitasking we all do it we sure do uh definitely enter uh because you don't want to miss out uh, on your chance to get some cool justin fields memorabilia uh because hey those are only going to increase in value uh either monetary wise or sentimentally either way it's a benefit for you all right let's move on to the defense you know they finished last year fifth in yards allowed but struggled to keep opponents out of the end zone uh, they gave up the 11th most points uh, per game but now with coach Flus at the helm you know not only are the bears expected to kind of change their theme uh, that entire defensive philosophy mindset and approach is taking on new meanings which means some current players may not fit in more than one way next season now, I think there are a handful of needs uh, on this side of the ball, and I didn't want to just pinpoint two that I thought were the most. I thought that may be you know, a little too constricting. Uh, so we're going to do it this way. Let's start in the box, and let's look at linebacker versus defensive line. I want to know between those two positional units, which one is the biggest need this offseason. We'll do the same for the secondary, and then we'll determine between the winners of each what is the biggest need on defense. So, Mason, I'll go over to you linebacker defensive line what is the biggest priority the bear should have between the two i think it's gonna be linebacker uh you really the only relatively for sure answer you have is roquan smith i say relatively for sure because you just in general talk about fifth you know smith versus will uh things like that but i mean that's just more of a in-depth question he's there if you're going to talk about the extension how much is that going to cost and then after him it's big question marks i mean dan trevathan's technically under contract but he has not really performed besides that one preseason game and when he did he got was hurt right immediately afterwards um you have caleb johnson and you know i'm a caleb johnson stan i i really like him i had projected him on the final 53 but you don't know what you're getting out of that and then you have nick's favorite player noah dawkins which i mean who knows who that is so it's just you just have no idea really who like what's going on there you no longer need just two of linebackers you need three of them in this defense so that's just an extra position that you have to fill whether that's with draft assets whether that's with money you're gonna you just have to fill that position in that respect and for the alignment the interior yes there's stuff to do there but you have some pieces already there that you can use maybe you know that you could re-sign relatively easily i know um we differ on whether Bilal Nichols can play there or not I'm not a big Eddie Goldman person. I think he's personally going to get cut. So you do have to, you know, fill that spot in. But also just in terms of importance on um, in this style of defense, the linebackers to me are more important to, to have the athleticism, ability to fill, the, fill those run gaps than the defensive line is. And you can just get some bargain bin, I think, players to, to do that and still be okay. All right. So we have one vote for linebacker. Nick, are you in agreement or do you think defensive line holds precedence? You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and go with the defensive line. And this is obvious. I'm going to base this. Let's say the Bears don't resign or extend Bilal Nichols. So then the emphasis becomes really finding that three tech. You have Angelo Blackson, who's under contract. You have Mario Edwards, who... You know, I think just from what he's kind of already done with those, those, you know, personal foul penalties, I think it's it's going to be time for him to move on as well. You really want to find someone that can play that position. And again, just hearing the emphasis of how important this position is for the linebackers, I think you want to have a stud at that three tech. I, I really do. So um, with that, you know, being said, I think that's where the Bears might 
you know, focus maybe that early on 39 overall pick in, in, in the second round to maybe address that position. But I definitely see the argument for linebacker because when you have Danny Trevathan as one of the guys that's under contract, you can already subtract him. And Noah Dawkins is a guy that I just literally forgot his name, what, 20 minutes ago. So um, you you want to add to that position because now you will be having that those three down linebackers. And one will probably come off when they play nickel packages. But still, you want to have you want to have capable guys there. It's not that you need to have studs. You can have your stud in a Roquan Smith, but you still need to have guys that are going to, like we were talking on the last podcast, help out Roquan to free him up, to let him be the most productive, you know, player on this defense. But you still need to have those types of players. But to do that, I think you do want to have that defensive line with depth and have that three technique that, you know, the Bears are obviously going to need. Like, honestly, Akeem Hicks would be great in this defense, but he just can't stay healthy. And it looks like his time is going to be up here in Chicago. Exactly. So you mentioned Bilal Nichols and probably needing to be replaced. Akeem Hicks is another one, too. So those are two very, you know, formidable defenders up front that the Bears have to look to kind of move on from. Uh, Akeem Mix, of course, leaves much larger shoes uh, to fill throughout his time uh, in Chicago. Uh, if I had to be tiebreaker again, which I do, uh, I'm going linebacker here. Uh, Mason had on a lot of good points uh, as well. You know, whether it is where does Roquan play, how does that affect the other linebacking positions? You know, technically our outside linebackers a year ago are going to move to the defensive line. They're going to be the defensive ends now. Uh, so, you know, that's Khalil Mack, that's Robert Gri- uh, Robert Griffin, that's going to be Robert Quinn. <laughs> Jeez. And then uh, on top of that too you got Travis Gibson uh, who's going to be putting his hand in the dirt which he did a really good job of doing so at Tulsa so I feel good uh, about that Uh, guys like a Jeremiah Tachu may just end up being you know washed out of this system but I feel like they can release recoup and rebuild those positions a little bit easier Uh, I feel confident in Angela Blackson I think Mario you know Williams may stay because those personal fouls they're not going to be tolerated uh, in this new regime so I I think it was more of a discipline lack of accountability issue because he didn't have it two seasons ago so I would give him the benefit of the doubt that he could turn it around under some more I guess strict coaching Uh, but like the offensive line I think there's a question mark at every single linebacking position whether it be is where's Roquan at Uh, do they bring back an Alec Ogletree if so what's his position you know we don't know who's playing Mike we don't know who's playing Will you know Roquan will hold one of those spots uh, and then who's playing the sandbacker? It, there's just so many unknowns right now. It has to be you know, a bigger need where at least with defensive line, I think you can make do, and you know you'll sign a couple other guys here and there. I just want to put my focus on it uh, fully, uh, at least over uh, linebacker. All right, let's move over to the defensive backfield. You know, what's a bigger need as of today? Is it safety or cornerback? And th- that's another great debate I'm excited to have. Uh, Nick, I'll let you kind of kick this one off. I, w- I would say cornerback is the more the priority. Um, when Ryan Poles was talking to like the reporters in those smaller groups, he he mentioned like that was one of the premier positions that he kind of wanted to address. It's like the edge rusher is obviously your offensive line, but corners, corners are definitely going to be a a premium for this defense. And when you look who's under contract, yes, you have Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, Thomas Graham Jr., and Xavier Crawford, right? That's honestly not, I mean, outside of Jalen Johnson, and then we're, we have, I think, high hopes for a Thomas Graham Jr., but this new regime has no connection to a Thomas Graham Jr. They have no connection to any of these guys. So they can look at them in a different light than maybe, you know, this last regime was looking at these guys. So 
you want to get a solid opposite starting corner of a Jalen Johnson. And then you still got to, there's, there's a president to get that nickel corner correct. And maybe one of those guys that I mentioned who are under contract can compete for that, but you still even want to bring competition there as well. But I will say that that's more, uh, you want to get that right over your safety, your, your opposite safety uh, of Eddie Jackson. And, you know, like Deion Bush is not under contract anymore. And maybe they bring that guy back or a DHC who's, who's really just, I think elevate his play over the years. Maybe that's someone they look at as some, bringing somebody back. But at this moment in time, I would say you want to get that other outside cornerback spot solidified, and then you can kind of work to get that safety position right. Okay, so we have one vote for corner. Pretty good vote in my eyes. Mason, how about you? I would love to play devil's advocate and say safety, but I can't do it. <laughs> if you look at last season, you brought in – to Sean Gibson back on another one-year deal. I think was that in June, July, something like that, and he played fine. That's it, just a, it's a position you can relative, you can find someone to play opposite Eddie Jackson. Like it's you there's it is a big difference between a top and a mid-tier player, but you can get by with that mid-tier player. Versus when you look at the cornerbacks, like when you just went through the list of names, Jalen Johnson's the only one you feel confident, confident. Like you think you have something in Thomas Graham, but also as Nick said. There's no connection there, so they may not see Thomas Graham in the same light. But, you know, if you look back to the end of the year uh, conversation that we had, I put Jalen Johnson as one of the, I believe it was the overhyped player, might have been like the official title. And that was simply because, and I got to be fair, like just like with Kyle Fuller, I went after him for lack of interceptions and things like that. Same thing with Jalen Johnson. It's not like he created a lot of turnovers. While he did have a good amount of pass breakups, it wasn't a lot across the landscape of the NFL or even within the Bears. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but when we had that conversation, some of the other, Thomas Graham was close to him in those numbers and he played in less games. So while Jalen Johnson is solid, don't get me wrong, he's not an automatic lockdown corner or anything. And you have such a big question mark at, at the other cornerback. Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley did nothing to inspire any confidence that they should be on the field starting at your second cornerback. You just don't. And so you're just going to get attacked all day long, especially in an, the kind of defense that the Bears are now going to be employing. It's important to have versatile, big cornerbacks, I and mean, you'd like to see that. And you hope you have something in Thomas Graham Jr. That's too many question marks for me. There are. Uh, and I, both positions have question marks, although it's odd, Nick, uh, because we were in the same exact position a year ago at safety, right? Like, we have one under contract, and they brought everyone on a one-year deal, and here we go. Once again, that, you know, Eddie Jackson's the guy. Who do they bring back? I have a hunch, you know, Gibson could be someone that gets the nod. You know, he's solid. He's not spectacular, but he's moved around enough in his career that we know he's versatile and he can handle a scheme change. Uh, and I do think our system would be closer to uh, what he played with in Houston uh, under Romeo Cornell uh, back in 2019 when he had those eight interceptions mm-hmm. uh, up there as well. So maybe that can help, but I'm not trying to say that's my, I guess, hope for him, but it's something that's at least on my mind right now. But corner is uh, the bigger need. As you mentioned, two different starters we're looking for. Uh, Duke Shelley gave up, I think it was 101 pass rating last year, 285 yards after the catch, which was eighth most of all uh, nickel corners. And believe it or not, Marquis Christian and Xavier Crawford were worse. Uh, so that's a huge position uh, that needs to be kind of refilled. You guys said on Jalen, I don't need to do that. Uh, but the one thing I want to mention about Thomas Graham Jr., uh, and I know you guys mentioned, like, this isn't the team, you know, the regime that drafted him. So he's not, like, a guaranteed guy to even get a look. 
I think this coaching staff smart enough to give him that look because he played so well in his limited role last year when they did put him on the field. Uh, he's someone that got better throughout training camp, better throughout the preseason. They stashed him on the bottom half of the roster, had to play him in some spot situations, and he did really, really good. How good? I, I don't know if you guys know this, but he was the highest graded corner in the NFL last year. I know grades are silly in his PFF, but he was the highest grade. I love Mr. Thomas Graham. I, I think he's going to be a solid slot corner there. I just hope the Bears see it the same way. I mean, he had those four PPUs on the 10 targets last year, so he, a lot of ball production, which does follow his kind of career when you look at what he did in college in Oregon. You know, tremendous ball production, getting his hands on those footballs. You know, he didn't have the takeaways last year, but he only had, again, 10 balls that were even thrown his way. I see the potential. I think all three of us on the panel see the potential. I don't think this coaching staff is, and I'm going to say it, as stupid as the previous to not see it as well because there's so many times we didn't understand why they couldn't see the talent in front of their eyes. I don't think it's going to be the same thing here. And, again, it's silly to put all of our eggs in a Thomas Graham basket. That's why it's still a need. But I believe he'll be in contention to earn himself some serious playing time, whether at nickel, whether on outside, come training camp next season, which is exactly the opportunity – I think he can thrive in. Uh, so I look forward to what that looks like, but still a heck of a need. Nick at safety to Sean Gibson, DM Bush, Deandre Houston, Carson, choose one and only one to bring back. As your starting safety. Um, well, I think I have to go to Sean Gibson because he has the most experience in it. And he's done that. He's played that role the last two seasons and the bears aren't losing games because it's a Sean Gibson they're also not winning games because it's Deshaun Gibson. And the other two guys are not going to, you know, move the move the ladder in either direction if they're, you know, they're not going to move it in a positive direction, I, I should say. So I, I would have to go to Sean Gibson if he's still up for it, you know, now being his third year with the Bears and another pro probably would be a one-year deal. But I would have to go in that direction, abandon my guy, Deion Bush, and, you know, kudos to him and good luck to wherever he ends up going if that were the case but if i had to choose between those three and dhc too like that's a guy that like i said it's just worked so hard to get to where he's at at this point in his career and of course he has that injury but i would have to say to sean gibson at this point you know somewhere dion sitting in a room turned off the lights you know put on some sad songs and a tear strolling down his cheek after his president just turned his back on him no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I can see it. Like, I, it happens. <laughs> it happens. It's a business, um, right? One real quickly, Will. Yeah, it's all business, and he knows that. I, I still, you know, wherever he goes, I'm going to support him. But one last thing on Thomas Graham, why, like, we were saying, yes, it's a new regime, but why and he could end up working, I think it's because he really does embody that hits philosophy, or mm -hmm. I think that's what the coaching staff will hit, see in him, the hustle, intensity, you know what taking the ball away and then just smart right the situationally being smart or whatever however you want to phrase it but i think you're going to see that in him especially being that he was you know what not technically was it cut or was it brought back but he then he ended up coming back to the team and you know had to work his way to get to that point he already showed that in the last regime i think that coaching staff is going to look at him and be like this guy he embodies what we want to establish here culturally that's going to give you an opportunity to play. So I, I did want to add that before we kind of, you know, moved on from that part sure. of the discussion. 
Absolutely. And again, he took a year off. He took 2020 off and then he went to the senior bowl. So he was a little rusty to start camp and we saw that early, but he turned it around quickly. Uh, And as a guy that I think all three of us are still, you know, rather high on. And when you look at what he did in Oregon and coming out of college, everyone said, you know, he's going to play his best in a, a zone heavy scheme where you can watch the backfield, read the quarterback eyes, make breaks in the ball. And he's not afraid to go up there and get his nose dirty in the run game. And we saw all of that last year uh, when he was on the field. And like you said, that does kind of follow the philosophy uh, to a T. Uh, so I'm glad uh, that you wanted to get a little bit more uh, Thomas Graham Jr. love uh, on this episode. I can't really uh, fault you for that, Nick. Mason, though, to get back to the safeties, uh, is there one over the other that you would sign above the rest? I know one's a starter and two are backups, but I do think there are a few ways you can look at this. I mean, if you were going to tell me that the, I could guarantee the Bears were going to get one of the top 10 free agent safeties that are out there and you know, that was who you're going to slide there. Then yeah, I'd be like, give me THC. Cause I know what I'm going to get out of them in terms of special teams. And in terms of, you know, a big nickel or dime, I guess you could say, or just as a substitute, I could, I would go that route. But if you're going to tell me that, you know, they're going to go bottom of the barrel at safety at that point, I just like, well, just give me Gibson at that point. Like I know what he can do and he's done it multiple times. Got a couple interceptions this last year, plug and play. And he's a perfect example of that stop gap that we've talked about. Like you're going to need a couple of those this year just because you cannot fix everything. So why not use one that's been proven? Like he's Mr. Duct Tape. Just throw him on there, patch the hole, and hope for that you have a better option next year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like it would be depending on that conversation that, that you're having with me. But if we're going to say only those people and you're removing any other potential free agents, yeah, Gibson. All right. Simple enough. Didn't think you guys would both agree, but that's okay. We have those uh, times as well. So uh, we've identified corner and linebacker uh, as the biggest positions of need. Uh, I I need to know what is the biggest one between the two, though, on this side of the ball. It it could be as simple as both need two starters. One has Jalen Johnson, and one of them is Roquan Smith. So then you look at corner. It it could be as simple as that. At least that's how I'm looking at it uh, off the top of my head. Uh, How about you, Mason? I would go with corner um I, I just i'm so sick of seeing the the burning that is happening there's too much aloe vera needed at, at soldier field on, <laughs> on a weekly basis just it's going on there and while i do think there are some definitely question marks at linebacker you can find affordable linebacker replacements i mean we it was lucky don't get me wrong but you got alec Ogletree, who was just chilling at hallis hall to watch the Olymp- the summer olympics and he turned into your starter and was fine so, like, it's not like I'm flipping out about that, but it is hard to find corners. Corners are expensive in free agency. There's all of those things. It, you got to nail that down, uh, especially, again, in, the, in this kind of a defense where this cornerback play is going to be very important. All right, Nike, how about you? I saw that, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I have to go with corner as well. And, um, you know, I think with the linebacker, we talked about finding those. And, Macy, you mentioned it, stopgap guys. And what Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, I think how are they going to approach this free agency, that second, third wave, you could find linebackers that could be stopgap guys for this deep, for at least this year. Some guys that have connections to Anthony Hitchens, played in Kansas City last four seasons, but was in Dallas with Matt Eberflus. It's a guy they could probably bring in for a cheap deal. Anthony Walker. So if you look at either one of the Anthonys, um, Anthony Walker played in Cleveland last year and then spent the last five, five years in Indy. So there's a connection there as well. But those could be stopgap guys that you can bring in. But 
it's like the cornerback position. You want to have you want to have somebody obviously that can still has some upside. Someone in the chat, Donald McKendry, uh, mentioned Xavier um, Xavier Rhodes. Uh, um, we are very familiar with the Minnesota, but played in Indy with Eberflus the last two seasons. So that and look like what happened. It feels like half the secondary coaches came to Chicago as well. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's just a nice little transition there to be one also a mentor for a Jalen Johnson and can maybe just have some I almost look at it as like a Prince of Mukamura almost in that kind of light of veteran but I would say more upside with Xavier Rhodes but maybe that could be a potential and that's why I think there was just an absence to get that outside corner like you want to get someone that could still play you just want to put any Joe Schmo back there and see what kind of like get that aloe vera ready for at Soldier Field just because of everyone getting burned so I think that would be like the the priority and the bigger need as of right now. All right. So corner on defense, uh, offensive line on offense. If you had to choose one to be the biggest need of the offseason, which is it? Nick? It's offensive line. It still comes back to the offensive line, you guys. Um, I think when you look at this league too, like yes, the Bears might have still a, maybe a top 15 unit, but that's not going to – I don't think that gets you anywhere. You need to have offense in this league. If you don't have offensive efficiency and can't score points and can't keep your quarterback upright, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, to be completely honest. So I think the emphasis still comes back to addressing that offensive line, to making this offense better, to put Justin Fields in a position to succeed. If you're going and just amplifying your defense, that's great. But man, you need to, you need to have some offensive firepower, and it starts with by protecting your quarterback, and the biggest need being the offensive line. Okay, Mason, do you agree? I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually play devil's advocate this time. Just yeah, I agree 100. percent But <laughs> let's go the other way. Where let's say look at the teams that made the Super Bowl. You got the Bengals who had an atrocious offensive line, and they went wide receiver. Right? They had some really solid wide receivers. Uh, and you look at even the Rams, like that was a game because Odell got hurt early on and all they really had was their one rice wide receiver in Cooper cup. The Bengals shouldn't have really been in that game at that point because the Rams lost their, their talent there. You look at the chiefs. I mean, yes, they ultimately lost last the year before that because their offensive line wasn't great, but they still were in the dance. They still had conversations because their weapons were so good because you have, you know, a Travis Kelsey who can run whatever route he wants to and Mahomes will still just get him the ball. You have a Tyree kill that for some reason, you know, he's getting the ball, but he's still open. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense. So if you have good enough weapons and you have good enough chemistry, you can overcome a faulty offensive line. I don't fully believe that's really actually the number one. I think it's offensive line should be the need, but just, just putting it out there. Okay. Yeah. I think offensive line is going to, you know, take the cake uh, here in this episode and for the off season, uh, we've hit on it. Uh, in depth from almost every angle I can possibly imagine. So I'm not going to sit here and rehash it all, but uh, I think offensive line and corner, you know, make a lot of sense to be the top two uh, right now on this team. And it'll help us, Nick and Mason, you know, as we kind of prepare for the combine, prepare for free agency, uh, looking how to rebuild this team, you know, build back better to be a, uh, I would say a competitive Chicago Bears football team in the 2022 season. Uh, so that's going to do it for our discussion on the biggest needs. And before we go, uh, Nick, you wanted us to kind of take some time uh, since we're going to be at the scouting combine to kind of 
talk about which drills you think that we could dominate in. And I believe I'm already exhausted by just going through the thought exercise of figuring out what I could even do well uh, on a professional level, which, you know, may not be much, uh, but <laughs> Mason, I'm going to go to you because I'm really curious, you know, Mr. You know, physical therapist, which drill do you think you can quote Nick dominate in? Uh, I was stuck between two actually. And so the one I'm going to go with though, is the shuttle run, you know, the five, 10, five test the player's lateral quickness, explosion, a confined area. Um, I, I am the last time I ran a four three forty. I mean, I was I was a freshman in college. It's been a while since I've even run a forty, so that's that's just not even gonna happen. Uh, but like, I think that short burst, I could I could still do well in that. Okay, so for me, uh, I didn't go with like a physical test because I just know it's not gonna be pretty. I, I thought about the forty, thought about like the vertical and the broad jump and. I was like, geez, you know, the older I get, whether it's the knee or the shoulder, like I'm in trouble. Uh, so I thought of a drill, like what drill can I actually like take my time? And it's like the gauntlet, like I can poke along and catch one and turn my head, the other ball will be there. So I don't need to be the fastest guy, but I need good hands. So I'd have a nice pair of gloves, uh, maybe some extra stick them on them. And I think I'd be okay. Now I may be getting rid of the ball to catch the other one to be difficult uh, if I did go the stick them route. However, uh, you know, going back to like my high school days of playing receiver, uh, there was one practice where I got the nickname Randy Moss uh, for going up and catching a ball one-handed over a cornerback and landing on my hip and then being out for two weeks. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those memories uh, that I always kind of hold dear. But I'll go with the gauntlet. Nick, how about you? Yeah, I have like four of them on here that Jesus. I just completely dominate in. But uh, I also you know, I had, had the wide receiver gloves on hand because I had the gauntlet on there. That would be fun to do. But, okay, I don't think I dominate in the 40-yard dash, but I know I still run. I, I, I'm curious to see how, how fast it would be. But, look, if we can participate in any of the fan – well, so obviously we're going as media, but I'm pretty sure there's like a fan section. If there's any of that stuff there – we are so doing it. I am recording all this. I told Mason, what, in our group chat, like, I'm bringing yeah, out the yeah. cleats. We're, we're doing this right. But that would be just a, a fun little activity. But just, you know, just I, I would I would love to do the gauntlet just to see how, one, how fast those passes are coming at you. And you, obviously you're not wearing a helmet or anything because that thing could just, a ball could just pop you in the face and throw you off your entire rhythm as you're running down there blind. And that would be something. But um, if there is something there for the fan interaction, if people are there and you want to say hi, feel free to do so. But I think we should do it, record it, and it'd just be a grand old time. Yeah, it will be. We can pause in slow-mo when Will you know, blows out his knee or his ankle or something going for it all. Because I'll, I'll leave it all out there. We got I don't have any, yeah, I'll just have to get, you know, an actual doctor to heal me. And, and then Mason, I, I can skip physical therapy. I'll just text you and you'll give me the drills and the exercises. I'm sure you won't even charge a fee and life will be good. No, it's the friend discount, zero. Nice. So we have our own combine. Ooh. Like you could, we can run it. We'll get the medicals. We'll do the interview. We'll just do it all amongst ourselves and it'll be our own mini combine. I think that's actually really awesome. And let's uh, think about how we can get that accomplished. Uh, and we'll take that conversation offline. But I do think it would just be fun uh, to do. And fun's great to kind of strive for. So I like it. Speaking of fun, uh, Nick, you posed that question. So I had another question that I wanted to pose to you. Uh, which combine drill do you think you'd fail miserably at? Besides all of them. 
size all darn it i was gonna say that um well if you're looking for time in the 40 like that's not gonna happen like you're not gonna get an impressive time out of me but you know a, a vertical I, I am a little vertically challenged maybe so maybe just just the vertical would be be not my best best in because i i like i think i could do the three cone and shuttle stuff but yeah vertical like that'd probably be the worst one for me I'd, I'd admittedly probably say the bent <laughs> if I had to be. Oh, I'm right, oh, there. That's I'm right there with you. Yeah. 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 Never mind. That's My that's sh- the worst one. For I, me. I don't. Even, I, I wouldn't even get that bar off the rack. Like to be honest, like they would have to lower it for me. Like, hey, Will, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know. Give me just an even 100, and I'd see what I can do. It's been two years since I actually benched in a gym. Uh, I have that surgically repaired shoulder that you know every time I'm pumping up it clicks and clicks and I don't know that one one I may have to pass and do it at my pro day and we can get those fake weights you see in, like the movies and then no one will know any of the difference so we'll be good Mason which one do you think would you find you know humorous to kind of fail miserably at oh, God. I mean for me I think it would still be the bench as well like it's just been so long since I've really like loaded the bench like i'm doing like dumbbells you know i'm trying to just like lean it out like i'm not trying to like max out i don't need to push a truck off my chest and and if you fail at that and that bar slams down your neck and you're just twisting i mean you just it just doesn't look good everything else at least i can fail at style that one you fail and you're either dead or you just look terrible i i die I, I literally, I, you guys know the SpongeBob when he tries benching and then like his arms oh, yeah. fall off. Like, yeah, it's me. Like my arm would be on the ground, dislocated shoulder. Or if I did somehow manage to get an inch up, it'd go down to my neck and crush everything in there. And yeah, that'd be the end of me uh, without doubt. I've but, hit 225 one time in my life, like one time. And I, I kid you not, I gave it everything I had. Afterwards, I, I you know, it felt like I was going to pass out. It's just, how do people rep that out 30? You know, wide receivers will be lower and things like that. But, man, you're just, I don't know how people do it. But, yeah, uh, can I go change it to the bench, too? We can all be consensus the bench. 225 for reps is just not our thing. But everything else will dominate it. <laughs> Sounds good. <gasps> all right, guys, I'm going to end. One oh, second. Go, go ahead. This is really important. Former Miami punter, Pat O'Donnell, bench pressed 225 23 times at the Combine. Just as, as the bar for the punter for the Bears, 23. Holy cow. That's, I mean, I know he's strong. Cool. We have a strong punter. We have two punters. Just, yeah. We'll see how the other one, we'll see how it pans out. We don't know yet. Off. That's right. Well, that'll be the deciding factor. Like, who can bench most? Pat, I got this. That's how he's staying around. Figured it out. All right, guys, I'm going to end this episode. I love how uh, excited the chat was uh, about this conversation, Nick. I appreciate you uh, kind of suggesting this uh, as a fun way to kind of wrap up our show. And uh, again, if you're watching this and you haven't yet, uh, subscribe to our channel. Uh, you get a notification each and every time Nick and I go live uh, down in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. And uh, I just want to make sure everyone knows yet again, in case somehow you've missed it, uh, in about a week, our branding is changing. Uh, you know, we've been acquired. Uh, Nick and I uh, get to do this full time. Mason's still going to be around. We couldn't pull him away from his physical therapy job. That is his true love. And uh, he's staying put uh, over there. But we're going to be taking this thing to new heights, uh, to, to the next level. We're excited for this next step in our journey covering the Chicago Bears. And uh, hope you stay right along here with us. You're getting a lot more uh, as well. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. But we'll see you at the Combine uh, yet again. So, again, subscribe, like the video, comment your hearts to your heart's desire there as well. Everything that we've talked about throughout the episode. 
But until next time, and I guess for the last time in this kind of ecosystem, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.